Okay, I'd like to uh, invite uh, Mr. Clausen up uh, to uh, bring us the message. Words from the cross, I think it was. Yes. So. Thank you. Good morning. You mentioned I should share something about where I come from? All right, a few words. Uh, I grew up in southern Ontario in a little place called Virgil. Uh, between Niagara-on-the-Lake and St. Catharines, and uh, so grew up on a fruit farm there, so farming is my background, a little different than farming here. And uh, Anita uh, grew up in a place called Newton, uh, near Portage Prairie. She was born in Portage Prairie, and uh, so she's a country gal. I had to go west to find my girl. And we have three girls. Uh, uh, one in Winnipeg, one in Winkler, the youngest here just south of, uh, of town, uh, Ryan and Rachel Swatsky. Rachel's our youngest daughter. And actually, Leanne married Gerald Martins, and uh, uh, Troy would be his brother. His dad just passed away, Ed Martins, uh, last year. And so we have uh, two of our girls that go to Killarney to find their men. And so, and we have ten grandchildren, and the oldest two are renting our house in Winnipeg right now. We moved here a couple of months ago, and we're in Lakeview Condo and overlooking the lake, and uh, a gorgeous view, enjoying uh, maybe the best spot in town, we think. And uh, we're here maybe at least for a year, get our granddaughters uh, started. One's going to university, and the other's working in the city, and started on their own. So we thought we would help them and, and help our children here on the farm, and so... We're trying to figure out retirement. But I've had the privilege of pastoring over 30 years and, and grateful to God that uh, there's still ministry opportunities. I actually personally uh, went to uh, the Philippines in January and uh, excited to see many, many people come to know the Lord through our ministry. We're a team of 10 from Canada, actually eight from Canada, two from Washington State. And uh, we... Uh, we saw many lives changed, and it's always exciting to see that happen, to see how God uh, transforms people's hearts and lives. And so that was in January. So that's a little bit by way of background. But we, we've been in town here before. I don't know if you're aware. We pastored at uh, Lakeview for a year, three years ago. So I had a privilege of working with uh, Pastor Danny and uh, get to know the pastors here in the community, and it's a uh, it's a great community, and we love to be here. Let's just bow for a brief word of prayer again. Thank you, God. Thank you for your presence in this place, and just praise you for the great God you are, God above all gods. Thank you for your great love for us and your gift of love to us and your Son, that you sent your only begotten Son into this world, that we could know you, that we could come to love you and to serve you. Uh, thank you for this Easter season, and we trust already you have been ministering to us as we reflect on, on, Lord, all that you accomplished for us on the cross. And thank you for the words you want to share with us this morning. And we pray that you will help us to open our hearts, to, that you would, through your Spirit, unplug our ears, that we would hear you. Not so much someone speaking here from the front of the church, but that would hear you and your voice, your spirit speaking to us. And so we just want to commit this time of meditation, reflection upon your word to you, Lord. 
In Jesus' name I pray with thanksgiving. Amen. A couple of years ago, Anita and I were privileged to go to, uh, to Israel, where pastor and, and his wife and uh, another couple from the church are present. And uh, I think the, the, the highlight for Anita and me were when we were at Golgotha. And, uh, and we uh, had communion service there, close to where Jesus was crucified. It was a very moving experience. Had communion there and uh, sang, worshipped the Lord. And in the background, another group was also worshiping the Lord, and, and, uh, and they were singing the song, Because He Lives, I Can Face Tomorrow. Jesus died and He rose again. And uh, I think that was a high point for us. We walked in the empty tomb where they believed Jesus was buried, and uh, a lot of history. That's our history, my people. That's where it all began. And... And so this morning we want to reflect on the words that Jesus spoke as he was hanging there on the cross for you and for me. The last words from the cross. Last words of people are always very memorable, aren't they? Do you know of some, maybe in your family, a loved one, the last words that he or she spoke? About 15 years ago, a brother-in-law, David Taves, in, uh, in Oakville, uh, <clears throat> was playing hockey and uh, he was very tired and he was heading for the bench and the gate was open and he was just about to step off the ice and then he spoke these words he says it's your turn it's your turn and then he collapsed on the ice and he had an arrhythmic heart attack and he died right there on the ice and uh, those were his last words. It's like he was passing on the baton, you know, and saying, I'm leaving now. I'm going home. And now it's up to you. Continue the race. You grab the baton, you know, and it's your turn. Jesus, when he died, he spoke seven times from the cross. Seven statements. We refer to them as seven words from the cross. And over the years, they have become very, very precious to me personally. There's so much we can learn from these words. And I just want to highlight maybe one or two truths from each of these seven words. And I trust that they will be a blessing to you and you will reflect on them further during this Easter season. The first here, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. Jesus asked for the best possible forgiveness. Forgiveness is really what the cross is all about. And of course, it didn't come cheap. It cost Jesus his life. It does cost us too when we want to be true followers of Christ. But it's a gift that we have received when we invited Jesus into our hearts and lives. And my friends, you and I are an answer to that prayer. Father, forgive them. And I trust we're celebrating that every day. Forgiveness that we have from God through Jesus and his death on the cross for us. You and I are an answer to that prayer. Forgiven people. And as forgiven people, one of the greatest challenges for us 
is to be forgiving. Forgiven people, my friends, are people who know how to forgive even the most difficult circumstances, most difficult situations in life. To identify with Christ on the cross is to be forgiven and forgiving. I'm going to read uh, several verses from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 6. Matthew 6, verse 14 and 15. And Jesus here is speaking. He says, For if you forgive men when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. That's a pretty powerful statement. What is the implication here? Forgiven people are people who know how to forgive. Just in the last week or two, if you've been following the news and, and uh, been reading about it in the paper, heard about it on radio, Wilma Dirksen, you know, about Cliff and Wilma Dirksen, Winnipeg, their daughter Candace was killed, abducted and killed, and was died, uh, froze to death really in a shack near a railroad track there in, in Elmwood. And so now uh, there may be a retrial. And uh, the interviewer was uh, commenting, now you're a person of faith. How have you handled all this over the years? And now it looks like there could be a new trial or, or uh, the man who's charged with killing her could be let to go free, allowed to go free. She said, yes, it's been a difficult journey. But I've learned that we needed to forgive. And so even when your own son or daughter is killed, you can be forgiving. Whatever the situation we face, forgiven people are forgiving. And I want to encourage you this morning to allow that to characterize your life. That every day, every day you know that you are forgiven, that you are at peace with God. And also that there's nothing... There's nothing that people can do to you where you can say, no, I can't forgive him. But I know often people say, I can't forgive him or for what they have done to me. And I want to suggest to you that when we identify with this word from the cross, we are forgiven people, but then we also are forgiving. We forgive people when they hurt us. And if there's someone here this morning, there's something between you and someone else, I challenge you and encourage you, make it right. There's no way that we can advance, that we can move forward as Christians if we live in unforgiveness. Jesus says, forgive them. So every day we want to celebrate that we are forgiven, and then also we want to forgive others, the people around us. A second word, Luke 23, 43. Following the word from the criminal, the thief on the cross, next to Jesus, who said, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus responds with, I tell you the truth, today you will be with me in paradise. Luke 23, 43. Today you will be with me in paradise. This is a cry of assurance for the criminal and also for us. Assurance of what? My friends, that death is not the end. That when we breathe our last in the here and now, it is not the end. It's the assurance of an abiding fellowship with Jesus Christ. Today you will be with me in paradise. 
assurance of a heavenly home. Jesus called it paradise. Remember the occasion where Lazarus died and, and Martha and sisters said, if only you had come earlier, a few days earlier, he may still be alive. And they have that little discussion. The family's grieving. Lazarus is gone. And then Jesus in the Gospel of John chapter 11, verse 24 and 25, says these words to Martha, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live. Even though he dies, and whoever lives and believes in me will never die. What a promise. What a comforting word and reassuring word. That death is not the end. We move from the life that we're familiar with here to a life that we can't even begin to imagine. God's people never die in a very real sense. You just move from the life that we're familiar with to a life that, that God has prepared for us in heaven. And it's also assurance of the immediacy of our heavenly home. He says, today. It's not saying at some distant point in the future, but today you will be with me in paradise. And so already here as Jesus is hanging on the cross, within a short time, that prayer is being answered. And a man who people would say, now that person I will never ever forgive. And Jesus says, today you will be with me in paradise. Extends forgiveness to this man who very likely had blood on his hands, lived a life of crime. Paul says, to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Yes, how true that is. Further, the third word in John 19, 26, and 27. And here the focus is on kind of a family situation. The mother of Jesus, Mary, he says to her, Dear woman, here is your son. And then to the disciple, he says, Here is your mother. In John 19, 26 and 27. Here we come to the most touching and tender of all scenes as Jesus was hanging on the cross. It happened when the Lord Jesus addressed his mother. We see in these words the importance of honoring mother and father. So important even for us today. Isn't that one of the commandments? Honor your father and your mother. And here Jesus is doing that. He wanted to make sure that mother was provided for. But there's another important lesson here, my friends. John took Jesus' place in caring for his mother. It is interesting that the brothers of Jesus weren't here. Father probably had, had died, Joseph. But here's John. You know, the disciples are all scattered. And John came back, and he was there when Jesus died. And so Jesus says, John, you take care of my mother. And John was able to take his place. And isn't that what God has called us to? What Christ has called us to as his people. We are Jesus' hands, his feet. We walk where he walked. We want to incarnate his life. In a sense, we take his place here on earth. 
And we do the things that He would do. And through His Spirit that He is doing. What a blessing and what a privilege. And then the fourth word from the cross in Matthew 27, verse 46. And it says here that Jesus cried out with a loud voice, Lama, lama, sabachthani, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? When Jesus took upon himself the sins of the world, he felt utter abandonment, desertion, loneliness. This is precisely what he dreaded when he was in the garden and when he cried out to his heavenly Father, Father, if there's any other way, take this cup from me. But not my will, but thine be done. What was happening here, my friends? Jesus was taking upon himself the sins of the world. The sins of all mankind, past, present, and future. Your sins, my sins. The Bible says he became sin for us. The perfect Lamb of God took your sins, my sins, upon himself. In 2 Corinthians 5, verse 21, it says, God made him who knew no sin to be sin for us. And you know, God, in all of his holiness, he can't look upon sin. And he turned his back. And people may wonder, was Jesus really Jesus, the Son of God? Was he separated from the Father? Yes, my friends. He was willing even to go to that point. Separated from the Father. And you know, sin always separates. It separates us from God. It separates us from each other. And Jesus died so we need not be separated from God and from each other. He died that we could continually celebrate being at peace with the Lord, knowing in our heart of hearts, I'm right with God. And I'm right with my brother and sister. I'm right with my neighbor. God has called me to be a peacemaker. And I think the challenge here in this word is never to take sin lightly. I know in some churches they don't make a lot of references to sin, but that's one issue that we will deal with until we get to heaven. Even as God's people, the enemy tries to defeat us. He tries to hold us back, and when there's sin, there's a lot of things we can't do. We can't pray effectively. We can't serve effectively. We can't get along people effectively. And so important, when Jesus died, he made it possible for us no longer to be in bondage of sin, and when we do sin, that we immediately, we put it under the blood of the Lamb. And we don't wait until maybe months or years later. I remember in one of the churches I pastored, two brothers, they were in their 40s, and they hadn't talked to each other for five years. And I finally managed to get them to a table and where, where finally they were talking and they were conversing. And it was a long journey of learning anew, you know, what reconciliation is all about and forgiveness and, and no longer being separated. So Jesus died, even being willing to be separated from the Father. There as he hung on the cross, God turned his back on him because he couldn't look upon sin. Sin always separates. And then the fifth word from the cross, in John 19, verse 28, he says, I am thirsty. This word speaks of the depth of physical suffering. Those crucified, it is said that they often died from either 
thirst or suffocation? What does it mean for us? What would the Lord say to us through this word from the cross? I believe what the Lord would say to us is that he is our companion in suffering. We know that we go through difficult times. We all do. There's joys and there's struggles. And maybe even here this morning, some are going through a particularly difficult time. Suffering, pain, and we can describe it any number of ways. I remember my dear sweetheart, Anita, here. We're almost in a week or two. We're married 48 years. But five years ago, in October, it'll be five years. Five years is a bit of a milestone in this journey. And she was diagnosed with cancer. We were in Winnipeg. And uh, it was a, a new journey, a new chapter in our life, things we hadn't planned, things we hadn't anticipated. And so in November of 2010, she had surgery. And, uh, and then came to chemo in January, February, March, and then radiation another few months. And the most difficult, and, and now and still, cancer drugs following that, and she's still on cancer drugs. But the most difficult part of that journey was the chemo treatment that, that my dear girl had to endure and to see her suffer every day. But, you know, we experienced in a very real way, both of us, and especially Anita, who was feeling it personally, and I was suffering and watching her suffer, <laughs> you know, that Jesus is our companion in suffering. He walks with his children. Whatever comes our way in life, he is there, and he gives peace, he gives strength, he gives encouragement, he walks with us, he helps us through the valley so we can put our feet on the rock and know that he is in control, and it's all in his hands, and we do what we can, you know, in terms of getting well, and knowing that he is a great physician, he can heal us, and I want to believe that that healing journey is still continuing. But my friend, if, if you're going through a particular difficult time, Jesus is your companion. What a friend we have in Jesus. He will walk through you in whatever your ordeal is, whatever the struggle is, whatever the pain is that you are going through. He understands and feels our pain since he has been there. And the sixth word from the cross, it is finished. It is finished. Many call this the greatest word in the history of human language. The single most important word Jesus ever spoke. It was not a cry of capitulation, a cry of defeat, a cry of resigning himself to, well, this is what, is this the end? No. My friends, this is a cry of victory, a shout of victory. What was finished? His suffering. Satan was conquered. Salvation was completed. It is finished. There's nothing anyone could ever add to it. Jesus died and he rose again. And we just need to believe it and accept it. Make it personal and say, he did that for me. For God so loved the world. Put my, I put my name in there when I invited Jesus into my heart. Into my life at the age of 16 as a struggling teenager. He did that for me. This victory cry means that we are no longer, we no longer have to yield to sin. We who are in Christ fight not for victory, but from a victory. We share in his power. 
In Christ we are victorious. It is finished. And then the final word from the cross is found in the Gospel of Luke, chapter 23, verse 46. Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. This word really sums up Jesus' life and his death. He died as he lived. He lived by Scripture. It's a quote from Psalm 31, verse 5. Jesus knew the Word of God. This word is a prayer. It was a prayer that every young Jewish child learned from mother or father. This word was a word of commitment. The last act of Jesus was to commit himself to the Father. Throughout his earthly life, he said, Not my will, but thine. He was there totally in submission to the will of the Father. And now, in his last word, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. And he breathed his last. Jesus died that we might live. My friends, what a gift. The Apostle Paul speaks of the gift of salvation as the indescribable gift. So many things, so many gifts that we can describe, but he says you can't really describe this gift. It takes us from time into eternity, and we can even have a fortress of heaven in this life. Jesus died that we might live. I want to encourage you during this Easter season to reflect further on these words of Jesus. Maybe one of these words or several of these words apply to you in a very focused way. Maybe God wants to touch your heart and say, maybe you need to change. Maybe it's the issue of forgiveness. To be forgiven means to be forgiving. And whatever it is that God wants to say to you this morning through these words, they're not only for the people back then, whether it's the three from the cross or the people at the foot of the cross, the, the women there and John and, and the others, even the enemies of the cross, but they're for us today. May God bless this word to each of our hearts. Amen.